Before we get started in this podcast, let me say that, again, there are incendiary passages as well as vulgar images ahead. If any of that bothers you or anyone listening to this podcast with you, consider yourself once again forewarned. Maybe Mohammed wasn't shocking enough for you, so we're now coming to the passage in Inferno that I think includes the most shocking line in the entire canticle. Hi, I'm Mark Scarborough. This is the podcast Walking with Dante, a podcast in which we slow walk through Dante's masterwork comedy. We are in Canto 28. We are in the ninth of the evil pouches of the Malabolgia that make up the giant circle of fraud. We are at lines 46 through 63 of Canto 28. We have already seen mangled bodies both in war in our opening historical section, and then Muhammad himself and his son-in-law, Ali. Muhammad has asked a question, who the pilgrim is. Is the pilgrim going to answer? No, he is not. Virgil instead is going to answer, and then Muhammad is going to carry on in this passage, Inferno, Canto 28, lines 46 through 63. Death hasn't grabbed him yet, replied my master, nor does guilt lead him into torment, but so that he can experience the full scope of things, I, who am dead, guide him through hell down here, circle by circle, and that's as true as the fact that I'm speaking with you. When they heard him, more than a hundred of the damned came to a stop in the ditch to gaze at me in wonder forgetting their sufferings. Then you who will maybe see the sun again real soon should say to Fra Dolcino that he'd better take care unless he wants to follow me down here right away. That he'd better stock up on provisions lest the wall of snow show the Novaris how to get a victory otherwise easily won. Mohammed had paused with his foot in midair to say these words to me. Then he planted his foot back on the ground and departed. I'm going to admit that this is a tough passage. It involves Virgil and Muhammad in discourse with each other. Muhammad makes a reference to a figure, Fra Dolcino, who we want to talk about a bit. And then we want to get to what I think, oh, did you hear it? What I think is perhaps the most shocking line in all of Inferno. So let's start through the passage and talk about some of the knots inside of it. Muhammad has asked, who are you? Muhammad has assumed that Dante the Pilgrim is one of the damned, and he's just gawking at the damned on his way to his final location. This seems odd, given that Minos throws the damned off his ledge and down into their circles. It seems odd that someone would take a leisurely tour group stroll through hell, and yet... 
That seems to be what some of the souls in hell think. Virgil then replies to Mohammed, and Virgil has replied before. Virgil does the talking with Pierre de la Vigne up among the suicides, and of course, Virgil does the talking with Ulysses. So Mohammed is here linked in some fundamental way with Pierre de la Vigne and with Ulysses, both of whom perhaps were caught in various intrigues, both of whom may have overreached in their own lives or misinterpreted the state of their own power, thereby perhaps linking Muhammad further to them. It's interesting, again, that Virgil takes over here and answers for the pilgrim, when especially the question was asked directly to the pilgrim. This may give Muhammad a little more gravitas. Virgil tends to respond to classical figures. Virgil tends to speak, for example, to Capaneus, to big classical heroic figures. And it may be that Muhammad is here granted a bit more gravitas than we might expect in comedy, despite his mangled self. Why is Virgil leading Dante through hell? Well, he explains it. He says so he can experience the full scope of things, so he can see the whole range, get the entire perspective. This is the first time that we get a glimpse at what will become truly the motivation for comedy. Comedy is an encyclopedic work. There is a point to comedy that Dante eventually will grow into as a poet, and that is the poem can contain the sum of knowledge. I realize that sounds unbelievably hubristic. It sounds, it sounds crazy, right? Like you can write a book that's the sum of all things that somehow is an encyclopedia. And yet this is exactly the point of comedy. And it is the exact point of Brunetto Latini's works and of many other works in the Middle Ages. This attempt to come at the full range of things, to have an encyclopedic vision. Here in the pit of the schismatics, Virgil first articulates this motivation for comedy, and this can't be a mistake. In the place in which unity is split, Virgil articulates the encyclopedic thematic or the encyclopedic motivation of comedy. And as we go forward, we're going to launch into discussions of embryology, launch into discussions of why there are spots on the moon, launch into discussions of the properties of matter. We are going to launch into the extents of medieval learning forward in the poem. Here, in a place where people divide the unitary nature of things, Virgil first offers us this encyclopedic thematic. Muhammad then replies by mentioning this figure, Fra Dolcino. Let's talk about this figure for a second. Dolcino de Torniello is a friar from near Novara. That is, he is a northerner as opposed to all the references to Puglia 
early on in this canto. Dolcino was the leader of the Apostolic Brethren, a sect founded by Gerardo Segarelli of Parma. Gerardo Segarelli of Parma was burned at the stake for founding this sect, the Apostolic Brethren, in 1300. Dolcino then took over the sect, they preached a return to a simpler church. You can tell that in their name, Apostolic Brethren. They want to go back to the days of the apostles. In doing such, they preach against the wealth of the church in Rome. Dolcino himself condemned the papacy, and he preached a balance between empire and a weakened papacy. You should note that the church labeled Dolcino a heretic. Dante does not. He labels him a schismatic, somebody who forms a schism, a sect off the church. Why? Well, it could be that these are the (laughs) very things that Dante himself seems to believe. That is, that the papacy should be stripped of much of its worldly power and goods, and that there should be a balance between empire and a weakened papacy. This will ultimately come to be Dante's stated position. Uh, Dolcino himself also may have been against celibacy. At least his critics certainly claimed that he had broken his vows of celibacy since he carried on with one allegedly very beautiful Margaret of Trent. In fact, when Dolcino is finally captured by papal forces, he is captured with Margaret of Trent. Well, given that Dante is after Beatrice, then, mm, again, there may be a way that Dolcino and his Margaret are rather close to Dante's own heart. We would kind of expect Dolcino to be in among the heretics, given the church's pronouncements on him, and yet here he is amongst the schismatics. Pope Clement V declared a crusade against Dolcino and the Apostolic Brethren in 1305. They retreated up into the mountains above Novara, thus the reference here about the uh, lest the wolves show the Novaris how to get a victory otherwise easily won. They held out up there until 1307 when starvation forced them down and into a battle with papal and civic forces. Dolcino himself was heavily mangled. He may, in fact, have been castrated as well as split in various ways. And then he was burned alive at Vercelli in 1307. This may reference him here as, again, a mangled body in this pit of mangled bodies. We should also note that all of this is happening in 1305 and 1307, which is, and Dolcino even takes over when the leader of the sect is burned in 1300. All of this takes place before the writing of comedy. And yet Mohammed seems to be saying that this is in the future. Fra Dolcino better take care Unless he wants to follow me down here, he better stock up on provisions. He's looking at it as if this is still a future event, when in fact, in the writing of comedy, this is already a 
past event. Again, the comedy is being set in a time earlier than it's actually being written. It's being set in the year 1300. It's being written later, maybe 1308, maybe 1310, maybe 1312, maybe even as late as 1314 with revisions. It's it's actually very hard to date it exactly, but certainly the events taking place here are happening before the writing of comedy, although in the text, they seem to be predicting what will come. I should note that the lines here that Mohammed speaks, this reply about Fra Dolcino, are unbelievably split up in the medieval Florentine, and I have had to straighten them out and rearrange them to make them make good sense in this passage. If I were to translate these lines directly from the Florentine, they would read something like this. Now tell Brother Dolcino he should arm himself, you who perhaps may shortly see the sun, if he doesn't want to follow me down here right away with food, lest the wall of snow may not give the victory to the Novaries, which otherwise would be easy to achieve. Then with his foot suspended in midair, Mohammed said these words to me before departing by setting it on the ground. You notice how weirdly broken up those lines are. Tell brother Dolcino he should arm himself. And then there are two intervening lines. You, who perhaps may shortly see the sun, referring to the pilgrim, and if he, that is brother Dolcino, doesn't want to follow me down here right away with food. Now tell brother Dolcino he should arm himself with food lest the wall of snow may not give the victory to the numbers. So all of this is difficult and contorted in its structure. It may have to do with schismatics, that the lines themselves are torn, they're riven like the bodies here, and like schism does to the body politic and to the church. It divides it into pieces. And these lines are certainly driven into many different pieces, so much so that I've had to rearrange them to get this into clear English sense. That end bit, Muhammad paused with his foot in midair. This is Another bit that leads me to think that Mohammed may be here more for the scandalon, the scandal, the stumbling block, than schism. True, he mentions a schismatic, this brother Dolcino, Fra Dolcino. True enough, he mentions him, and yet somehow with his foot up in the air, out of balance, speaking these lines with one foot raised... It leads me again to think of this stumbling block of scandal to put something in the way of the faithful such that their journey is not even or that their journey is not simple that causes them to fall or to stumble. It seems again to me that Muhammad is much more of a figure of scandal than schism and that his scandal that is, forming this monotheistic religion to which many Christians are converting even in Dante's day, this is why he's put inside this pit. It's the threat to Christianity, not that it will divide its unity, but that there is a way in which the faithful will trip into an alternate monotheism. And surely, 
I don't have to push this into the modern world, right? Surely a lot of the fear and tension over Islam in the West right now is a kind of buried idea of this, a competing monotheism. It's surely part of the scourges of anti-Semitism over the centuries, but perhaps it's even still sitting back there in the Western mentality at this point, this fear of a competitive monotheism that may give Christianity a run for its money. Okay, we have danced around this long enough. Now let's look at what, for me, is the most shocking line in all of Inferno. Virgil says, again, that death hasn't grabbed the pilgrim yet. Guilt doesn't leave him to torment. And he's doing all this so he can experience the full scope of things. And Virgil, who is dead, is leading him through hell circle by circle. True enough. But here comes the line. When they heard him, more than a hundred of the damned came to a stop in the ditch to gaze at me in wonder, forgetting their sufferings. How do the damned stop being damned? How does this happen? It happens through wonder. I just want to pause here because there is then relief for the suffering even of the damned in wonder. This is the great statement of comedy, the theology of wonder, that the way to new knowledge, the way to a greater understanding of the world, the way out of your own suffering is not through reason, is not through rationality, it's not even through the purification of the soul, although we're going to get there in Paradiso, it will always be founded in the theology of wonder, in amazement. Let me put this into modern terms. This is the essence of staying young, and this is the essence of growth, to hold the world in wonder, to look at the world with your hands open, not shut, to look at the world as a place of amazement and wonder, not as a place of suffering or defeat. And here, in the middle of the pit of the schismatics, we discover that wonder can momentarily even cause the damned to forget their sufferings. Do you realize how explosive that is? Forget their sufferings? How is that possible? What is it that could possibly cause the damned to stop thinking about their torments for a moment? It's wonder. It's the same thing the pilgrim feels. When the pilgrim sees Muhammad, he stops in wonder. It's the same thing the pilgrim feels when he sees Pierre de la Vigne. It's that moment, that shock, that wonder, that openness to new things, that openness to, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And my initial response to that is not no. My initial response to that is not stop. My initial response is wonder. 
I can't tell you how important this is. I can't tell you how important it is to comedy. And I can't tell you how important it is in my own life. It is one of the things I have learned from reading and rereading and rereading comedy. Approach life in a state of wonder. It's the way you stop petrifying as you age. It's the way you stop holding together as you age. More and more, the older you get, no matter how old you are, let me tell you, the older you get, the more you will face the world with clenched fists, with tightened hands. Open your hands. Because Dante will tell you, it can even make the damned momentarily forget their sufferings. That is a lot to say in one episode of the podcast, Walking with Dante. So let's just cut it off right there. But before we do, let's read the whole thing. No funny voices, no sound effects, nothing. Let's just read the entire Muhammad experience in comedy. Go back to line 22 of Canto 28 and read the whole thing straight through and see how this passage lies in the text. If a barrel were missing a stave in the middle or on the side, it wouldn't gap so wide as one guy I saw down there, split from his chin down to where we fart. His guts swung between his legs. His viscera were visible, even the sorry sack that turns what we swallow into shit. While I was thunderstruck at the sight of him, he caught my gaze and tore open his chest with his hands, saying, Now see how I rip myself apart. Take a good look at how Muhammad is mangled. Ali, wailing, walks ahead of me, his face hewn open from his chin to his forehead. And all the others you see here sowed the seeds of either scandal or schism while they were alive. That's why they're hacked open this way. A devil is stationed behind us. He decks each one of this group out just this cruelly with the edge of his sword when we've made the circuit of this sorrowful road. You see, all our wounds have healed before we again come in front of that demon. But who are you, hanging around on that escarpment, perhaps buying a little time before the pain your self-recriminations have brought on you? Death hasn't grabbed him yet, replied my master, nor does guilt lead him into torment. But so that he can experience the full scope of things, I, who am dead, guide him through hell down here, circle by circle. That's as true as the fact that I'm speaking with you. When they heard him, more than a hundred of the damned came to a stop in the ditch to gaze at me in wonder, forgetting their sufferings. Then you, who will maybe see the sun again real soon, should say to Fra Dolcino that he'd better take care unless he wants to follow me down here right away, that he'd better stock up on provisions, lest the wall of snow show the Novaris how to get a victory otherwise easily won. Muhammad had paused with his foot in mid-air to say these words to me. Then he planted his foot back on the ground and departed. Just an amazing bit of comedy. Muhammad, wonder, sufferings, Arabic words. The whole bit is just insane. And we're going to open out from this into our next episode, which, if this is insanely wonderful and full of surprises and shocks, and even, as I say, an increased Arabic valence in the text itself, the next passage is going to be obscure. <laughs> 
difficult and in need of much unpacking. Well, that's not much of a sales pitch, but come back, subscribe to this podcast, rate it. I would really appreciate a rating, even a comment like great podcast does wonders for the analytics. We're going to continue on in the ninth pit. There are many, many more people ahead. This is a crowded pit. We want to talk about why that is in future episodes. Nonetheless, on we go with Dante the Pilgrim on this podcast, Walking with Dante. I'm Mark Scarborough. I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.